This episode of the Chicken Nick Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Dundee Bank. They are the greenest bank in Omaha. Through solar power, zero waste, historic preservation, and community support, the greatest small bank in the state. A community-focused small business in the heart of Omaha. Remember, open an account at Dundee Bank. They'll donate $10 to a local nonprofit. Located in Dundee, Blackstone, and Little Bohemia, it's Dundee Bank. Check them out at DundeeBanking.com. Dundee Bank, member FDIC. Good snap back to Pristup. And oh, it's blocked. It's blocked. Be Iowa me. picks it up at the 10-5. They have a touchdown. A blocked punt and return for six points. Hawkeyes right back in this game. Oh, boy. I think Matt Davison might have dropped the slogan for 2021 Husker football, which was, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> he said that he said that during that call. And I think it was uh, I think it was quite appropriate. I'm not sure there's any, you know, the economy of words. He was very efficient. And I think right. the slogan fits. Do you agree? I, I do. And. I jokingly tweeted after the game that 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 game was like a a casserole of the entire season for Nebraska. That's what it had all the ingredients of what has been really really gut punchy about this year for a team all wrapped up into one season. And it is I don't know what else you can really say other than what what Maddie D and and. Greggy S have been saying all season long. You know what I'm saying? It's you gotta be kidding Iowa me. Picks. That's it. I mean, that's the line. You gotta be kidding Iowa me. Picks. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding Iowa me. Picks. Arguably, arguably, my favorite tweet of this of the weekend came from Big Cat from Pardon My Take. He simply tweeted after the game. He's like, if people are worried about blowouts in the college football playoff, just put Nebraska in. They'd lose to Georgia by two, which is the most perfect thing ever. Like, I'm serious. Like, right. Nebraska would find a way to just, like, hang with Georgia and puke on themselves and lose by one score. They would. It's just like, yeah, that's no. what they do. Yeah, they play up. They play up to the competition, down to it. Even Steven, they just lose every game. Yeah, that's what I like about the folks who say, oh, if you let Cincinnati in the playoffs, they're going to get blown out. Oh, no, another blowout (laughs) semifinal. (laughs) And that would be different We've never had those. Right, yeah. And that would be different how, exactly. Exactly. Good golly. Exactly. So you just got finished up. Look, I got done hanging Christmas lights outside. You got done with a Beau Rude podcast. Yeah, we went long. I don't know what our problem was. We went like almost two and a half hours. Like two and a half hours. You, I, you I tweeted mean, out. You I, tweeted out a poll that asked, "Do you want us to go drive for drive or just the big plays?" Imagine if you went drive for drive, you'd still be recording. A I seven know. Hour pod. Thank God. Well, actually, the 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 option that won that poll was just punching people in the face. So if we'd have done that, this <laughs> thing would have been. I'd have been done three hours ago. But yeah, we. I don't know. I mean, there's there's certainly. With this team and this program, you can you can make the conversation super short, or if you want to really unpack a lot of things, it can it can take a long time. And apparently, we were in the mood to unpack a bunch of different things. I mean, it just uh, it is. I mean, when you get into you know things moving forward and all that, not just the game in and of itself. That's kind of what it it ended up being was more like just the the big picture of it all. But yeah. I uh, crikey.com is really the only website I think people can log on to at this point. You know, that makes that makes sense. Speaking of uh, slapping people in the face, I don't want to wait waste any time getting to this. This was the best slap in the face, and I've gotten a lot of uh, folks who tweet at the show saying they cannot listen to the broadcast of a Husker football game without waiting for the yes of Matt Davison and the slaps that he gives Greg Sharp after touchdowns. This was by far 
the best one and very crystal clear slaps. If you hear it, that's how Matt Davison celebrates. He gives out the yes, which he has fully embraced. I don't know if we're to blame for that or not because we have fully embraced it. But then he slaps Greg Sharp a few times. From the Iowa 2, Smothers looks over the defense. Brewington in motion. Give it off or run following the block is Logan Smothers. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska. Yes. What a start. Ah, just giving it to him. Yes. What a start. Hold on. That might have been the first yes while slapping. He usually separates the yes. He either slaps, then a yes, or a yes, then slaps. He was yes slapping the whole time. Yes. What a start. What a start. <laughs> Absolutely. What a start. I want to go back to the uh, the punt block because Matt Coatney does <laughs> Matt Coatney does the great um, the great job of the the uh, Husker post game and he did give out another one of his uh, the drop that we have coined yep. here the Coatney Coatney <laughs> did it and he did it again a blocked punt and returned for six points. Hawkeyes right back in this game. Oh, boy. <sighs> Special teams, my friends. It's <sighs> 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 not good. It's not, not good, good at, at all. all. So, what do you even I mean, say? What do you want to wanna... talk about, man? I mean, this team's historic. They're historic for all the wrong reasons. Single-digit losses. First time anyone's done it nine times. I thought I saw it was on the, the ticker. First team since 1936 to lose nine games by single digits. This was the worst season in, uh, for Nebraska football since 1957. I mean, even uh, – I love this listening to uh, Big Red Overreaction, and then I saw it on Twitter as well. Our, our Everybody's favorite 1620 The Zone listener, loyal Jed. Uh, Jed did some research, and he found out Nebraska's average scoring per quarter – Versus their opponent. Nebraska outscored their opponent by average in each quarter this season. Yet Nebraska went three and nine. Think about that. Just first quarter, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. They, the average scoring per quarter, they outscored their opponent. They go three and nine. What? 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 What, what the heck is this? Yeah, I don't to believe it. I like the fact that they were even on their scoring, the points for and points against. They were even on the season uh, with that as well. That's just, it's hard to do. It's hard right. to do what they did. There are a couple of, what was the overarching uh, thing with you and Bo Root? What was the overarching thought? Uh, well, I mean, I think on your podcast, well, I mean, shoot, there was there was a lot. I thought the most interesting thing we got into was more so at the end of it, the psychology of it. And it was all spawned by. Dirk's column and Dirk's question to Scott Frost in the postgame press conference of like the whole we're close thing. Not only have, has media people said it, fans have said it, but Scott Frost has said it. He has said it, man, we're close, man, we're close. And Dirk made an interesting point on how the whole constant card of playing, hey, we're close, it probably keeps the team engaged Right, I mean, I think if if you're getting if you're continually losing and you're and then you go to the team and say, "Boys, we're not even close," that gets harder. That it probably gets harder to kind of like ramp it back up each week. So while the whole "we're close" thing probably kept the team engaged week to week, you in the long run, when you keep saying that, does it actually become a deterrent because it makes you want to stay the course? Right, like think of any sort of any sort of instructor, coach, or if they if if your swing coach for golf is saying, "Hey, man, you're so close," you're not thinking you need to make a bunch of changes to your swing to hit the ball better. You're so close. You're so you're close, man. You're close. And I I get the sense that there's been a little bit of that of like you play that card, you're close. It maybe deters you to make the big changes that needed to be made to ch to changing the final outcome. And then the other thing is that it feels like Frost, and, and listen, I've heard other assistant coaches say it, shoot, I've said it as well. It seems like Frost has just waited 
for a big win to solve everything. Like he, he he said it all the time. Like we just need to get over the hump one time. Like winning solves that. Like I think in their mind, all we got to do is win one of these games. All we got to do is win that Michigan State game, and then then we're then we're over the hump. Now we're feeling good. Now we're feeling great. When in reality, while that's true, and the only way to become a winning program is to start winning. One big win doesn't necessarily solve anything. A couple of years ago, Purdue beat Ohio State. What did that really do to Purdue? It didn't necessarily change anything for them. So it kind of seems like the whole we're close thing has, in a roundabout way, made them maybe a little reluctant to address everything. And then I think in the meantime, they've just waited for one big win to solve everything. And when that's the case, it makes you overlook something like special teams. That is clearly the issue, right, Schick? Like, if you asked any, if you took a group of 12 football consultants and said, I want you to analyze this program in this season and then get back to me with what the biggest problem is, it would be 1,000% special teams. And I think it's just been it's that's just kind of like the case in point of like it's just been easy to dismiss those things like ah we're close we just got to get one win and it'll all take care of itself kind of a thing when I think yeah technically they were close to winning a lot of these games but when the sample size is what it is and you have 21 score losses the most in the FBS since 2018 are you really close I don't think you are because this this is who you are and who you are as a team that doesn't win. Well, so there's a lot there. I think uh, one, the scoreboard matters, right? So uh, they are close in these games. So does that mean you're close as a program? Maybe if it happens once or twice, yes. If it happens nine times, it's a systemic issue, right? There's something else that's going on. So I think that would be the big concern there. I think he's – I mean, they're close in the scoring margins. So does that mean you're close? I mean – I don't know. I I think the the whole notion of it's it's prevented him or it's allowed him to not make wholesale changes. I mean, I don't know what other wholesale changes you can make other than getting rid of Scott Frost because he's already getting rid of his offensive assistants, right? So he is making those changes. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like. I think one of the big things I took away from this game was you get rid of your offensive assistants, which they did against Wisconsin and they did against Iowa, and nothing changed. Right. Nothing changed. The only thing that's remained constant is the defensive coaches and Scott Frost. Right? Right. So there's probably a red flag going up like, oh, okay, the same thing happened and it's still Scott Frost. I, I get that part of it. The whole idea of needing a win. Last year, remember when they beat Penn State? Yeah. Nebraska beat Penn State, and in the locker room, the cameras were there, and they turned it into this social media cool little retrospective. And in the end, Scott Frost says, that's, you know, we're done losing. That, like, none of that stuff, that's all in the past. This essentially saying the stuff that's happened with these tough, heartbreaking losses, we're done with that stuff. We've turned the page. That hasn't happened. I told you guys, all we have to do is win one and get over the hump. Start learning how to win. I think he thought that Penn State win last year might be that. Uh, I think the Purdue analogy is pretty good about what happened in 2018. I don't know if that spawned getting George Karloftis and David Bell. It could have. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you get a big national TV win if they would have beaten Michigan. I don't know. I don't know if if the butterfly effect of that means you win a couple more games. I don't really know what goes on in the psyche. Hey, we proved we could beat them. Now we're going to beat Iowa, and maybe they do. I don't know. But – yeah, there's a there's a huge mental hurdle with the team and the special the special teams aspect of it uh, can't be ignored. And I think if Scott Frost does not hire a special teams coordinator, he emphasized that in the offseason. That just shows stubbornness. Right. Right. Like not doing something because everyone tells you to do it. Like go clean your room and you're being told seven times to do it. No, I'm not going to do it because you told me to do it. And if I do it, it'll only be because you told me to. Right. I don't know if that's kind of what feeds into that, but. I think, well, by and large, I, what you said is correct. Well, I think, I mean, there's going to be a whole lot of change now with four new coaches, a new offensive coordinator, uh, you know, so there's going to be changes. A new the, quarterback. A new quarterback, other new players from the transfer portal. We think about all these new people coming into the program 
providing some change. And and all that is needed, but you brought up the point. The guy that maybe needs to change more than anybody is Scott Frost. He, if he doesn't change, if he doesn't change something with his approach and how he's doing things, because clearly this what he's doing isn't working. Now, there are parts of what he's doing that are working. The defense has, has improved and all those sorts of things. But like, if he doesn't change, it's probably not going to make a, a difference. And I just think a lot of that stuff starts with special teams. Like, it, mm-hmm. to me, how committed are you? You know, Bo kept using the, the analogy of, of smoking. Like when someone if – you, if you're trying to quit smoking, you, kinda, you can't half quit smoking. You probably gotta. There are certain things you gotta cold turkey. Like you gotta, you gotta cold turkey quit smoking. To me, special teams. Like you can't half commit to special teams. So I, I think whether it's he, whether he becomes a special teams coordinator, whether he, I, I don't think that's necessarily the answer. But like I think they need to hire someone to, if if they don't hire a special teams coordinator, I just don't. I mean, I think a lot of people are gonna are gonna just instantaneously go, well, are you – I mean, why would this – got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding Iowa. me. How is this going to be Well, the beauty, the, the smart thing about it, too, is if you hire the special teams coordinator and it still doesn't go well, it's not your fault. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe you hired the wrong guy, but, hey, I mean, I did what you told me to do. I mean, why would you risk not doing it and then it being – the same or worse. Well, yeah. Well, I, I think year. even for him, like I would tell Scott, I'd be like, Scott, listen, man, I don't know anything about football compared to you, but it's pretty clear the number one thing that has plagued you for four years is special teams, and it's pretty clear you have a one year to get this right situation. Why not just throw everything you can at the one thing that's held you back for four years? And if it doesn't work, at least you address the one thing that has held you back for four years. You, right? I mean, like, I guess I don't understand the logic at this point from Frost if he doesn't hire a full-time special teams coordinator. To me, you're being stubborn. You're being arrogant. You're being delusional. You're, you're all those things to the umpteenth degree if you think you can somehow come back next year and not fully address the special team situation with with a with with a full-time coach solely focused on that because whatever it is that you're doing is not only not working chick not working is putting it lightly not only is it not working it's it's the worst it's as bad it's as atrocious as any unit you'll see in 25 years of football. I mean, it's, it's cost you it's cost you two bowl games. It's cost yes. you two bowl games. Right. Last year and this year. It cost you. I mean, there's no other way to say it. The cost of uh not hiring a special teams coordinator just to focus on it and even give the impression that you're focusing on it um is is immeasurable. The cost of not doing it is immeasurable. So, yeah, it it just would make a lot of sense in a lot of different ways to fix those things. Like if you have a, you know, your toothaches, go see the dentist. Your special teams is terrible. <laughs> go hire a coordinator. Right. Like these are not, these are not complicated issues. The other thing that, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, the nitty gritty of the game. I mean, it's like this, this actually of all the, the, the kick below the belt losses of this season. I still think the Michigan state one maybe was Michigan State or Michigan might have been the most butterfly effect impactful, but I think this is the biggest collapse of them all. I mean, to when it was 21 to nine, it's 21 to nine mm-hmm. here in Nebraska's drives to close out the game. 21 to nine. Three plays, two yards. They never got past the 30, right? No. Did no, they ever get past the well, 30? Well, other than the last yeah. the last drive of the game that ends in a pick, but three plays, two yards, block punt, Iowa scores a touchdown. Four plays, fumble. One play, safety. Three plays, punt, 12 plays, interception. So your offense completely went into a shell. And so it's a, it's very interesting. You you can ch- swap out the quarterback. And Smothers had been pretty solid for three and a half quarters. And then he fell apart. Uh, and then the other thing with this game, did you notice – Nebraska, and this is this is builds into a larger thing with the, if you're going to be critical of the defense. Nebraska, 
had three interceptions go through their hands on third downs, and all of them would have erased field goals for Iowa because then on fourth down, Iowa kicked field goals after all three of those dropped interceptions. The one thing we can say about this defense, they're the, the best since 0910. Shouts out to whoever said that on a tunnel walk, right? I mean, you have to go back to 0910 to me. That's right. That guy's a genius. By the way, their last win came when I let him out of the tunnel. That's neither here nor there. I mean, you have to go back to 09010 to me. But, Chick, this defense. I just have this idea of, I have this image of you running out of the tunnel with him in front of Scott Frost. Me and Scott leading him through. People are like, what the heck? What the heck is this? Jed. Cue up Jed. What the heck is this? That's what Jed said when he was sitting in the stand. What the heck is this? <laughs> but the one thing about this defense, you know, I mean, just admirable effort all year long. Lunch pail kind of a group. They don't have a superstar, but golly, they got no help from their offense in big moments and special teams are terrible. The one thing this group didn't do was take the ball away and then they didn't score themselves. They scored zero points this year. And they had numerous opportunities, not just on Black Friday against Iowa, but to to make to create turnovers, and they didn't do it, Chick. Like for a really, if if you're gonna pick one critique of this group, that's it. And you know, Dirk had the great little the the great nugget that this season Nebraska special teams and defense scored exactly zero points. You know, and we know about the special teams and how terrible they are. They missed all their field goals? <laughs> Every one of them. Ofer. Ofer gopher, baby. Ofer. Can you imagine? I think the special teams was an issue. They were 0 for 22 in field goals. I think that's kind of an Not issue. Not hiring a coordinator. Not hiring it. But they, they did. They had. That's also, you know, like every, the block punt was the most impactful play of the game. But. They had they had three interceptions they could have had that would have erased nine points for Iowa. Now the reality is Nebraska would have found a way to lose the game. They would have. Like I mean, I think like this is who they are. So whether it was the block punt or dropping these interceptions, whatever, like they would have found a way to pee their pants and Iowa would have won the game probably based on the trend that we saw throughout the year. But you know, in terms of at least getting some thoughts on the game, like I, I mean you. They they had opportunities they, for interceptions. What would they have done? In their pants. Emily Christian. I am talking about Emily Christian. In their pants. That's what happened at Texas. So I don't know. I mean, yada yada yada. Nebraska went three and nine. Thanks, <laughs> that's Elaine all, that's Bennis. All you can really. See. I met this lawyer. We went out to dinner. I had the lobster bisque. We went back to my place. Yada, yada, yada. I never heard from him again. That's all you can really say. Yada, yada, yada. They went three and nine. And that was unthinkable before the season. It really was. Yes. I mean, we did those Husker songs, and the theme was six wins. Like, mine was six wins, no excuses. Let's go out. Let's go out and win six. If we don't start three and no, I might forget this. And frankly, it was easily six wins when you look at it. Yes. I, I mean, a play here or there, six wins. You should be thinking about your bowl destination. I agree. And and that's the thing. I, going into the year, I thought, I think I told you, I thought there was a, I think I picked seven and five, but I felt like there was a better chance of them winning eight games than six games. And Samsonite, you were way off. Oh, Mary Swanson. <laughs> Starts with an S. So swim, swami, sl- slippy, slappy, swimming, salmon, salmon, swan, swanson, swanson. Maybe it's on the briefcase. Look on the. Oh yeah, it's right here. Samsonite. I was way off. I knew it started with an S though. <laughs> that is. The idea that they get all the way to Aspen, they don't even know her last name, where she's at, nothing. <laughs> And then just the Samson, writing. Look, look, 
look, look at, the, at the brand name. He had it. He had Swanson. He had Swanson. Like Samsonite. Her last name is Samsonite. Oh, that's so uh, good. But yeah, you were high. You were high on the defense, and you were right about that. The team was good enough to do exactly what our songs indicated. I they agree, do. and yet. This is who they are, you know? I mean, like, that, that's it's the sample size is just, the Samsonite size is just getting too big to <laughs> deny at this point of who they are. It is. You know, I'm watching this, and I actually, and people were tweeting at me when it was 21 to 6. People were tweeting at me saying, don't tweet. And I, let me tell you something. I was so confident they were going to win I almost tweeted with the way the black shirts are playing. I don't see a scenario oh. where they. I was almost. And had I done that, I would have been public enemy number one. The first time it happens, eh. Second time, it's all me. Right. right. You know how superstitious fans are. I'm so glad I didn't do that. But yeah, this is a game that you're watching. And you go okay, and then as soon as the punt block happened, you say. Oh boy! Yes. Here comes the snowball, right. and you can feel it. Like I heard, you know, Scott Frost comment saying that was it. That was the game. The turning point of the game was the punt block, and that cannot be argued. If they get that punt away, they scored one offensive touchdown in the game. They scored twenty-two unanswered points and scored one offensive touchdown during that time. Nebraska scored three offensive touchdowns. Iowa scored one offensive touchdown, and Nebraska lost by a touchdown. How does that happen? Like I, I want, I wanted to send a note to ESPN stats and info and go. When's the last time a team <laughs> outscored another team by two touchdowns on offense and lost by a touchdown? I'm sure it happens often, but not but very it can't often. Happen that often. No, I know. Yeah. I mean, that's hard. It really is. It is. Uh, that's why this, this was the. You kind of felt like going into these last two games. Even this Iowa game, it kind of felt like, okay, Martinez is out. It smothers. You never wanted to act like, ah, this game, who cares? Like, I don't think there's anything that can really come bad from this game. But, boy, I'm not so sure. Like I said, I'm not so sure that isn't the most gut-punchy loss of the season. I, I, it's different because it's the yeah, last I game, still, and they're not. there's no yeah. ramifications to it in the short, you know, like, but – Man, that one, because that one's the first, that was the first really, really big, correct me if I'm wrong, like, that was the first collapse, like, like where you held a big lead and you really yeah. fell apart. Yeah, no, that, that part, that part's true. I still say the most painful loss of the season. If you had to say, what's the most painful loss? The most painful loss is Michigan because of what that day was and what that night was and what it could have been. Yes. The most inexplicable loss was Michigan State. Yeah. Because you had that, and all you had to do was punt it correctly. And, you know, a punt return, again, they weren't scoring anything offensively in the second half. It took a punt return touchdown. Like those two. If you think about how the fingerprints that Nebraska has on this season of college football, Oklahoma nearly was in a position to win the Big 12 now their coach is headed to USC. Michigan, you win that game, they beat Ohio State. Who cares if they still lost to Michigan State, right? Mm -hmm. They're a two-loss team. Ohio State is still going to Indianapolis. Now, you can go to the Ohio State game. I don't qualify the Ohio State game. They were losing that game regardless. But you think about that and the Michigan State game, right? Now, Michigan State's a 10-win team. They're probably going to a New Year's Six game. The fingerprints Nebraska has on this season, and including Iowa now, where they lose that game, and now Iowa's going to play for a Big Ten championship. Think about the tentacles they have on this season and that they will have on Indianapolis, not only for the Big Ten championship game on Michigan and Iowa, but potentially in the national championship it's game. It's amazing, isn't if it? Michigan make, if Michigan makes it there to Indianapolis. That's where, you know, the way that they played, you go, okay, yeah, you're close, but the whole song of so close yet so far away, I think definitely uh, oh. applies here to Nebraska. Yeah. But it's just remarkable how much they, it's the six degrees of Nebraska with college football this season. It all roads really. lead back to, to Scott Frost in Nebraska. You're right. And it's, but you're, I agree. The, the whole we're close thing, everything, like to me, there was a, the pivot point of the season was 
Martinez's fumble in the Michigan game. Like, Nebraska did feel like they were kind of, the arrow was trending up. They were kind of climbing this ladder, going in the right direction. And then if you kind of think about it, from when he fumbled, it's been Minnesota was the next week, then Purdue, then Ohio State. Then like It's kind of been, they were never, if we want to say they were close, they were never closer than they were in the fourth quarter of that Michigan State game when Martinez fumbled, and they've gotten further away from that point on. It's funny, even after the fumble, they had the opportunity going down the field. They yeah. still, the, the game was not over at that point. There's just so much there, which leads you to the Martinez situation. And and the when the name Dylan Gabriel popped up in the transfer portal, I went, ooh, yeah. that's an interesting one, right? Now, does he have his sights set a little bit higher? Yeah, perhaps, but you would think, you know, Scott Frost maybe has his his eyes up there. Chuba Purdy, Brock Purdy's brother, who's transferring from Florida State, is another one that makes me think, huh, maybe that's a guy who could be a guy that they target. There's no question, though, in my mind, and again, when this podcast posts, maybe Adrian Martinez has announced he's coming back, but I just don't see it. Yeah. I don't see it. I don't think it's going to happen. It's too bad. My kids, I mean... My kids are just devastated because they watch him and they love him and my wife. And But it's just best for everybody if you just move on. Do well, you agree? or what? Do you I, I agree with you. I do think two things. Number one, I feel like his shoulder injury and surgery complicates his situation a little bit. That's a great point. Because yeah, I, great think, point. I think he would have been yeah. a really sneaky, highly sought-after guy in the portal. But now... Who wants to take the 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 talented guy that never won that just had surgery that isn't that I think he's looking at a five or six month recovery where he's going to miss all of spring. Is it that and, long? Yeah, yeah like that's so. That's interesting. You so I actually think his the his shoulder situation complicates things for him. But I also wonder, do you think while if you're Nebraska, does does Martinez staying maybe scare off some potential portal guys? Even though you'd be getting a new coordinator and all that stuff, and you could say all the right things throughout the recruiting process to you know insert quarterback transfer portal target it name here and say, hey, listen, you come in, you're going to be the guy. But at the end of the day, you'd be going, well, hold on. Isn't the th that four year dude Martinez? He's staying. Like I could see that being like ah, like making people hesitate a little bit. I don't know. I I just I I'm with oh, you. I think uh, it's Nick. Nick. I mean, these transfer portal guys typically only have one year, right? And there's not they're not going to risk it with a guy who's been a four year starter. I don't think there's any question about that. Frankly, I mean, you think about. The first thing that comes to mind is Anthony Russo. Do you think when he transferred to Michigan State, he thought Peyton Thorne was going to be the starter? Right. Right. No. I mean. And now he's there. It's like, oh, okay. That was fun. That's it. So what do you do? Um, no, that's a. So, there, I, there so a it's a weird deal. Again. Like, I, but I just. That's why, that's why the decision needs to be made. And there needs to be an announcement by Monday or this week. Like, you agree. have to know. Because I talked to a couple of FBS coaches of games that I've called. And they have said that they are not sending their coaches out to recruit high school guys between now and the signing period. They're having their guys stay home to monitor the transfer portal wow. because this week those names are going to pop up. Regular seasons are over. And signing, you know, the early signing period is what it is. And, you know, you're going to re-recruit guys that are, you know, that are still in the fold for you. And if you're a new coach, yeah, you're going out, and maybe that's completely different, like a Joey McGuire, Texas Tech. Yeah, you're, you're hitting the ground running. But by and large, this is transfer portal week. Yes. Here. And, and to your point, you need to have some clarity on, one, on, a, on a variety of levels at your quarterback spot because the number one thing they – I mean, Frost's got to get his staff in place ASAP, which I would think will happen – pretty fast here and then they need to figure out who they're getting at quarterback and I think the Martinez situation has got to get cleared up one way or another I'm not saying that like 
I'm just I'm looking at it from a transfer portal perspective. Like if I'm a quarterback, like you said, you're it's a one year thing, and if you're entering the transfer portal, you're seeking guarantees. You're not terribly interested in battling. Okay, I got, I can go to Nebraska and I got to beat out a guy that has been a four year starter who the head coach clearly loves. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, he's benched him for McCaffrey. Will he bench him for me in his final year? Right. Now, here's the benefit is you would have a spring and Martinez wouldn't be there, but Martinez is not coming back to sit. Right. So that's, I mean, so that's the thing. He comes back, he's not coming back to sit. And so that's also the hard thing, though, if he does enter the portal, is a school taking him would probably want to tell Martinez, yes, you're going to be the guy, but he's. He's coming off a shoulder surgery. He's not going to be able to to go through any spring. He's not he's not going to be fully healthy until pretty much summer workouts. That's also a tricky proposition. Yeah. Obviously, the NFL ship has sailed, and that ship was already bleak to begin with. So why? I don't know. That's just what people tell me. I, I thought the prep, I right, thought things fine. were looking good. Yeah. All right. I thought things That's were looking pretty good there. All right. Time for a quick timeout here from this podcast to tell you about our good friends at Dundee Bank. We just love partners that are local. Uh, I love Omaha, love the area, and love those that are community focused and focused on Omaha, and that's Dundee Bank, the greatest small bank, a community focused small business in the heart of Omaha, and they take care of the community when you make deposits, which is great. Yeah, 100%. Nearly 100% of your deposits are filtered back into the community through loans that support local individuals, businesses, and neighborhood revitalizations. And I cannot confirm or deny this, but I'm pretty sure when you open an account with Dundee Bank, Matt Davison is standing right there with a pretty excited reaction. Yes! Okay, I'm not sure if he does that or if he slaps you. <laughs> Yes. Okay, maybe he does. Maybe maybe you're there opening an account. He says yes and then slaps you uncontrollably. Maybe that happens. Good thing, bad thing, you hurt, but it's, it's him. It's Matt Davison. He's from Tecumseh. He made the catch. He made the catch. He made the catch. Come on. Matt, did you make the catch? Yes. All right. Yeah, it's been ruled. You, you, you caught the ball. Uh, just, again, together we build a strong community foundation, boost the economy, and strengthen small businesses. That's what Dundee Bank does. Open an account at Dundee Bank. They'll donate $10 to a local nonprofit. That's exactly right. And they're, again, located in Dundee, Blackstone, and Little Bohemia. DundeeBanking.com is the website. And I believe the slogan, at least in my mind, is, You done did it with Dundee Bank. Member FDIC. So you wonder, I don't know. I, like, I actually think his shoulder situation just complicates things. Because yeah. I could also see Martinez going, you know what? I don't know what he's making off NIL with different things. He could say, you know what? I want to stay here. I want to stay here, make money off NIL. If I go to wherever, say, let's say he, I'm just using Central Florida as an example because that's the frost just to swap. You know, like I, people don't know me in Orlando. I'm not going to get a bunch of NIL deals in Orlando. I'm not going to, or whatever. I mean, so I also could see him being like, man, I'm hurt. I don't know. I don't think I have a great guarantee to start anywhere. If I'm going to roll the dice anywhere, I'd rather roll the dice here, where at the very least I'm making money and I get a, I've been pretty invested into this thing so far. I'd like to see it through. Like I also could see a scenario where Martinez arrives at a point where actually staying makes the most sense. And I don't know if that's yeah. best for Nebraska. Like, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know either. I don't know. Here, you know what I would love? If I had to paint the perfect picture, and this is because I think both should depart, right? Or, or they should go their separate ways. But if I had to paint the perfect picture, it's Martinez comes back and leads him to a bowl game. Yeah, right. That's the perfect picture. Yes. And, and I think if, if Husker fans could draw up the perfect scenario, and yes, that sets the bar low, a bowl game, but that's where Nebraska is, to see a guy come back and – be rewarded for everything he's given. The all-time offensive yards leader getting to a bowl game and ending his career the right way, hoisting a bowl trophy or something rather than his right arm in a sling, that would be the perfect scenario. But the question is, is that likely 
if he comes back. And I think there's more curiosity about how Frost will do with another quarterback than there is eagerness to see him run it back. I just think this what you just threw out there is a is the same school of thought that I threw out there with the special teams thing. Like of like okay, you've done it a certain way for 4 years and it hasn't worked. You've done it for four years with Martinez, and it hasn't worked. And this is hard because this is coming from a guy like, I've been a Martinez defender. I don't know how anybody couldn't root for the guy. You just brought up your kids, your wife. I know the same thing. My Mava, my five-year-old daughter, knows one football player on earth, and it's Adrian Martinez. That's it. You know, like... Everybody loves A. I mean, like he's Kel- a Kelly tweeted at him. Kelly felt so compelled. She tweeted at him before the Husker game earlier in the game earlier in the week. The picture of me, and I didn't even know she did it. She found the picture of me and Adrian Martinez from the Under Armour All America Week practices. When I first met him, this is before he enrolled at Nebraska. It's a picture of me and Adrian. We had talked. We talked for a half an hour that night with he, his girlfriend, his girlfriend's dad, who was there. And it was just us four talking for 30 minutes right. about what his future was like, what he's all about. And it was awesome. And she tweets that picture at him saying, hey, my kids were devastated. This is a picture of yeah. you and my husband. Right. And right. Uh, we've been a big fan of yours and all this stuff. I'm like, my goodness. Like, who? what three and nine right. or three and eight quarterback draws that reaction? I know. that. That's He is, he is the most likable guy that didn't win. You could ever imagine, and he's you want you wanted to say he's the most lovable loser. I you did, wanted to but say. but it's hard. Like it's but that's but that's a window into I can't even I don't even want to call him that. You know, because I just don't I feel know, like he's that. Like I just he defy he's Nebraska defies all logic. He defies all logic because he. I feel like I know a good quarterback when I see one. He seems like a good quarterback, yet he doesn't win. I mean, the it's just. The all-time stat leader, the all-time career leader in offense, never going to a bowl game just breaks your brain a little bit. So, I, it's, em- it's empty calories. It it's is been empty calories. That's really too bad. Yeah, it's like it, this great, this awesome salad. Yeah, it tastes right? great, but you still need to eat after you're done. Like it's just, it is going to be where they're at. Fascinating to see what decision he makes. You know, I, I will mean, say. This is the most – I don't know if it's the best three-win team in the history of football, and it may be, but this – there are no shortage of – like, every week was compelling. Isn't that amazing? Every game. No, even when you were done with bowl game, like, no chance at a bowl or division title or anything. You go, man, this is interesting. Even the last game of the year and the offseason storylines, it's a great story to cover. Because it's actually very interesting, not necessarily nationally, but man, locally, this is good stuff. Well, the, this I know, is like, really I, good. I'll take this, and this isn't necessarily a product of the fact that Frost is the coach, but I'll watch this team that went three and nine a hundred times out of a hundred before I'd watch Riley's last year that went four and eight. Technically, that team won one more game, but this team feels better this team felt like it had a more heart it fought you know they just they couldn't win and to your point like all I know is every Saturday when I turned on the game I was like here we go what's this gonna be I remember years ago when I was a student at the University of Colorado and my soon-to-be wife when we were first dating Back in 2000, 2001, I remember saying to her, don't you get sick of knowing when you take the field that you're going to win all the time? (laughs) Because I didn't know what that was like. I was a Colorado guy. You know, I was a Bills fan. Like, there's you go in every game going, I don't know what's going to happen. And I remember going to those Colorado-Nebraska games knowing Nebraska's going to win and Nebraska fans knowing that they're going to win. And I remember saying, don't you guys get sick of this stuff? Like, this isn't exciting. You go in knowing you're going to blow teams out all the time. And now, every single week, it's, I have no idea. And now it's gone the other way, where I think we're going to lose. I don't know how we're going to lose. And maybe we're going to win. It's gone the other way. And it is it is a glimpse of what reality is for most college football fans, which is when you roll the ball out there and toe meets leather, right. as we've said here, you have no idea what's going to happen. 
and you couple that and marry that with a Scott Frost, who is the favorite son, who when he was the quarterback, you knew every game they were going to win. You combine that as him him as the head coach, man, this it's stuff is juicy. This stuff it, is good content. It's great. It's a great story, and you just hope it has a good ending. I know. And and even even within all that, the thing that makes it more juicy to continue to watch is the fact that – and I don't want to play the moral victory uh, participation trophy card – but it takes some courage and some guts to continue to get kicked in the nuts every Saturday. <laughs> if you're Luke Reimer, Nick Henrich, Austin Allen, Cam Jurgens, Samari Tur, it takes some it takes some courage to get yourself up and ramp it back up for another week. When the easy thing to do would be to just quit. So the Shut one, it down. the the one thing that you also got to give this team, yeah, they're weak mentally at times. They don't know how to win. They'll drive you crazy with mental mistakes. But you can call this team a lot of things. You have to call them physically tough. Like they're a tough. They play tough and that also I would think as a consumer if I'm a Husker fan that matters to me like because I think it's easy for a fan to stay invested when you know those players always they were always still invested and I think there's some again I don't I'm not saying like that should make everybody feel great but I think you're you're trying to kind of psychoanalyze how you've stayed engaged I think it helps knowing that you got a locker room full of dudes that like they weren't quitting they're mentally tough for six days and three quarters of yep. every game. And then they become the weakest mental right. group of dudes. Like, I, But it's just, I don't know. They, yeah. it is, they and, had every opportunity to just throw in the towel. And they didn't do it. Yeah. I, I don't know how you keep going, right? And it just it speaks to something. I mean, Frost is doing something right. Right. I mean, There's something good is happening behind the scenes when even when you lose all the assistance and they still go out there and they fight. Yeah. And maybe it's because the other teams have numbers next to their names. Maybe right. that's something I, who knows, right? To do with it. I don't know. But. There's something going on, but yeah, they've been getting punched in that area for 644 days, something like that. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, fans. Obviously, it's been I think whatever 644 days or something like that exactly. But in terms, in terms of reasons for hope, I think Jim Harbaugh and Michigan provided something there. Totally agree. Where you st- you stay the course. He had much more success than Scott Frost has had, right? Mm-hmm. But. There was talk of, oh, you gotta, he's going to beat Ohio State and all this. And, and I thought they would win this game. I was on SiriusXM and doing interviews, and I thought, I, I thought they would win this game. I wasn't as bold as I wish I had been, but physically tough in running the football, a defensive front that has impacted the game, and two guys, and Jabo and Hutchinson, that yeah. just dominate and cause havoc. And knowing, knowing what Ohio State had been through with Penn State and, and Nebraska, two very good defenses, and they couldn't score on right. touchdowns. You know, I thought Michigan was the best team Nebraska played. That was just me. Now maybe that's a product in no, no, I agree. That was I the agree. only game I was physically at in person, but I know what that environment was like. And Schick, it what that was a a lion's den, hornet's nest, insert whatever cliche that and they stood in that lion's den and just punched right back and the I just felt like, wow. I mean, there—that's an impressive, to, impressive team to to go win in that environment. And so, I I think they're the most complete team. They're not as explosive as Ohio State with all their, you know, with the receivers and all that. But no, I, I'm with you. I thought they'd win that game. And and you're right. Like I know Michigan and Nebraska aren't necessarily analogous with where they're at in their program. But I thought the same thing. Like if you're looking for, I don't know. The, the golden boy coming back and everybody thinking, ah, it's not going to work, and they kind of run it back one more year, air quotes there, and he he comes through. Like, listen, anything's possible, I guess. 
You redo the staff. If you make good hires, it's like a president. You could be the dumbest president in the in the history of the United States, but if you have a good cabinet around you, right? You know they'll be make all right. You, they'll make you smarter. Yes, you could not be a good head coach, but man, if you got good coordinator, if you got a good defensive coordinator, good players, right? But you can overcome yourself. Who and and I think that's what that's what you're seeing there in Michigan. Not that he's not a good head coach. He's no, no, no. You're right, though. Head coach, but you have to have those that are directly in touch with those areas of the game that impact the most. Those guys have got to be more than competent. They got to be elite. Help me out, Shake, because you're more plugged in nationally. And I mean, I try to follow it a little bit, but like, what names have you heard for coordinators? I mean. We've heard the Jerry Kill thing, but Jerry Kill then takes the New Mexico State job. So, and I don't know if that would have worked because all of a sudden that's a complete philosophical change. Because that's the other thing that's interesting about this is like, uh, I mean, this isn't, this is a, this is, you got to bring in someone that it kind of works with what you already have there. So, this, the, it, it's, it's hard to imagine all of a sudden you're going to go to like, you know, Iowa's offense, which I suppose you, Good, but I, that's that's something that's hard to do. Like, I've heard Tom Herman's name thrown out there, which I would think that would be a hell of a get, all things considered. I was I was I was saying get get Tom Herman and Quinn Ewers and let's go. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey Quinn, hey Quinn, you want your nil, buddy? You gonna sit behind C.J. Stroud the next two years? You want nil? Come to Nebraska. You do your kombucha or whatever you want to sell, and let's let's, let's roll here. It, let's make it happen. Right. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I think of the names I've heard, Herman is probably the one that that raises my eyebrow the most. But you brought up a good point. I wonder if a lot of this is package deal stuff. Like, hey, by hiring this guy, this will get you this player, and because that because I've heard, and you would know more about this than me, the Washington State situation. I've heard his name thrown out there. And their quarterback, who I can't, Jaden Delora, that that there could be a little bing, a, a little boom, boom there with with he comes and the quarterback comes. I don't know. I, I mean, I've I've not watched that guy play one snap, so I can't sit here and act like that's you know. I mean, he's but I mean his his numbers are are pretty good. Uh, so I'm just I'll be I'll be curious to see because I, I I think this stuff's gonna move pretty quick. And then the other thing, Chick, is figuring out how to piece it all together, like. If you hire a full team, full time special teams coordinator, which I think they have to do, well, now you only have three other assistant coaching spots, and you need an offensive coordinator, a quarterbacks coach, a running backs coach, a wide receiver coach, and an offensive line coach. That's a, that's it'll be interesting to see how how all that. And, and I work. think here are a couple of thoughts that I've had. One is with all of the coaching shakeups. There are going to be a lot of assistants on the market. Yes. Because you're not taking everyone with you when you take these new jobs, right? Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma for SC. Is he taking everyone with him? I don't know. I don't know. He's going to want guys that are around that area. I don't think everyone's doing the frost move when he left UCF, bringing everyone with you. Right. That was fairly unprecedented. Yeah. So, you know, you've got that. You've got LSU. And the domino effect of all of that, where – does Matt Campbell get a look? Is Mark Stoops getting a look? Are they all – and I'm not talking about Nebraska. I'm talking about other yes, spots. Right. And then the domino effects of those and coordinators and things like that. Like The dust is going to have to take a little time to settle, and that's why I wonder how quick this happens. Does it happen this week? Does it happen next week? Does it happen after signing day with these hires? I don't really know the answer to that because I'm not sure how much salvaging you can do of a recruiting class anyway. But it's not about recruiting. It's about the transfer portal right now for Nebraska. And, yeah, you're kind of probably hearing the the same kind of names here. But I think what you've learned is there can be quick fixes here. Mm -hmm. Shoot, get a a transfer portal kicker. Get a transfer portal punter. Get a transfer portal quarterback. Like, all of these guys can – and maybe that's the selling point of we're close, and that's why you say that. You don't necessarily say that so your team believes. You're also saying it so – when you're trying to get guys to come in, it's like a recruit, right? A high school recruit. Hey, you could be the missing piece. Look at how close we were against Oklahoma, Michigan, Michigan State. You see that team in the college football playoff, Michigan, if they beat Iowa? Look what we did. See Iowa that won the West? We should have won that game. You could be the difference. That's not about high school recruiting anymore. It's about transfer portal recruiting. And that could be a selling point there where 
that combined with NIL, maybe there's something there. But yeah, the package deals and the and the the whole deal. The, the Lincoln Riley thing is so fascinating. It is, he man. For for SC, and that happened earlier on Sunday. Um, did you hear his give and take when he was asked? And I tweeted it out. This was the Q and A after the Bedlam game after Oklahoma State. This reporter, I don't know who it is, but he kind of walks into the question or try. He doesn't want to ask it, but he asks it. And listen to what Lincoln Riley does. Lincoln, are you shocked that you've gotten this far without anybody asking you about all the rumors this week? I'm just. I'm just saying. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask you about it. So I might as well. Um, I mean, it's nonstop. I mean, it's it's every. Day hold up, hold up, hold up, Gary. I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. Can and I ask you? Next question. Okay. And I tweeted it out. That was brilliant of Lincoln Riley. The reporter never asked a question. Just right. went on and on with a statement. Never asked about LSU. And Lincoln Riley interrupted him and said, I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. Next question. No one asked about USC. No one mentioned LSU in the question. No. And he was honest, and he was savvy, and he interrupted it and moved on, and that was it. Never had to answer a question about the coaching search postgame. I don't know what would have mattered. The butterfly effect, too, of had they called pass interference on Oklahoma State and Oklahoma scores that touchdown and they win that game, is Lincoln Riley the head coach today at SC? I doubt it. I doubt, or at least just not announced today. I mean, I mean, and then they win the Big Twelve championship, and then maybe they make the play. Like I don't know. Right. Just those little things where right. you just go, little things in life and in games where you go, are they going to wait? Are or, they going to announce it? The other, I mean, let, let's go all the way back to an enormous domino that fell in July. If Oklahoma's not heading to the SEC, is Lincoln Riley? the next head coach at USC? That's a great question. Because I don't. I think that's what this question. is about. I think I actually think this makes perfect sense. Like, if I'm Lincoln Riley, now, not from a loyalty standpoint. From a loyalty standpoint, it's pretty amazing that, you know, this dude gets the hand-picked replacement from Bob Stoops, and, and it seemed, from that standpoint, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But, listen, from a – you can – you want to be the best job in your conference – Oklahoma was probably the best job because Texas has struggles. The best job in the yes, Big 12. 100%. 100%. Now he gets to go be the best. USC is the best job in the Pac-12. Oklahoma is not the best job in the SEC. In fact, you could make a case that it's not one of the top three jobs or four jobs in the SEC. Third or fourth. Third or fourth at the best. At the, at the best. best. And right. so I, for some people, are like, why would he do that? I'm like, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, and it's not about running away from the SEC. It's no. more about where do I rank? It's like when you when you apply for a local TV job like I did, you want to go for a ratings winner. You don't want to apply for the third best TV job in the market. Mm -hmm. And every job I've held, the job that I've taken in local TV has been the best job, the best highest rated TV station in the market. That stuff matters. So when you're Oklahoma and you're going to the SEC market, quote-unquote, yeah, you're the third or fourth best behind Bama, behind Georgia. I don't know where Florida would fit into that. Texas, LSU, if they get that up and running. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you throw a lot Texas of Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, there's a lot in there, and it makes a lot of sense. And his three top recruits for 2023 are from California, and they're all high school teammates. They'll flip to him. He he can recruit that state. It makes a lot of sense, and it's good for college football. Right? Yeah, it's just USC. Good. They number, yeah, the college football needs somebody west of Columbus, Ohio, you know, to to be worth a darn. Like that's pretty much what needs to happen. So yeah, I, I mean I think it makes perfect sense. I I I I really do. But you're right on the butterfly effect of things of of the pass interference or, you know, the the move to the SEC, like all these things play a play a factor into it, man. It's it's crazy. What a crazy, crazy weekend of college football. It was incredible. It was the best weekend of college football with so many great storylines, and it was spread over the course of a few days, and it was just it was just great. It was great theater. The other thing that, I, that this leaves me with is, could you imagine 
if Nebraska was in the market for a head coach this year? No. What are they getting? That's, what are they getting? And, and it's it's one thing with LSU and USC. You add Oklahoma, and then the domino effect of that one coming open, whoever takes that, like Nebraska is going to be like, hey, and your head coach, he just left his post as offensive coordinator at Akron. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobby McGillicuddy. Ah, but seriously, though, like I know some people don't want to hear that. Like, listen, man, if you got to make a change, you make a change. I mean, I wonder if on some level Trev did also take a peek at the landscape and go, do we really want to be in the market for a head coach this oh, season? I'm sure that factored in. It's it's like when a guy says, I'm not going out to the NFL. I'm staying in school because I've seen who might be in front of me. It's a business decision. Yes. It all has to be a factor. Right. I mean, I've lost count of all the – TCU, LSU, USC was open. Now Oklahoma's open. I, I'm not even sure. I don't even know. Miami, Miami, might, o- Miami might, be, might open up. You know, Ole Miss could open Virginia up. Virginia Tech's open. Virginia. I mean, you you really you really want to be in the market when when all those jobs are opening. So I get it, and I think some people don't want to hear it, but you got to be. Now, now, if you're a you know if you're an LSU or a USC, every time you open up, you are the market. You know what I mean? Like, so you want to make a change, you can do it whenever because the market reacts to you. But if you're Nebraska, I don't know who you would have got. You don't want to compete for candidates with Oklahoma, LSU, and USC. You want to be competing with Iowa State. Missouri, yes, and Western Michigan, right? right. I mean, that's what you want to do. That's exactly right. So, that's exactly right. Yeah. So you know, we'll see where we're at uh, eleven or twelve months from now. But yeah, it's just a fascinating time in college football. There are a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of other things we wanted to do, but we've gone on too long, and that's it. Uh, anything else uh, you want to get off your chest, college no. football playoff wise? No, I don't think um, so. I mean, you, you. I, I mean, think, I think, I think the college football playoff. Uh, quick thing here. Cincinnati, I think the only scenario they have to worry about is the combination of these three things happening Give it to for me. Cincinnati. An unbeaten Cincinnati, if they beat Houston, is Alabama beating Georgia, Michigan beating Iowa, and Oklahoma State beating Baylor. If those three things happen, then you're comparing a one-loss Oklahoma State with three wins over the committee's final top 25 – and a Power 5 champ over Cincinnati with one of the committee's top 25 wins if Houston drops out after the right. win over Houston. That, that to me, if, if any of those three go the other way, any of those three go the other way, Cincinnati is in, winning in, no question. I would put them in with a win regardless, but that would be my nervous in the booth. So, so give me, okay, so hold on, though. You, give me your nervous in the booth scenario of all those teams you said win how how does it shake out so but michigan well, if, like if what does it look all like all of those happen if all I'm of with those you, happen by the way. yeah okay then alabama and georgia both get in okay michigan is in with the win over iowa and then, and then oklahoma state's a one loss big 12 champ being compared to an undefeated cincinnati when the rankings come out tuesday night my guess is oklahoma state's going to be no worse than 6th Right. That's my guess. Unless Ohio State's still in front of them with two losses. Who's Oklahoma State so lost to again? They lost to IS, Oklahoma Iowa State. Sta- Oklahoma State has a three-point loss. I believe it's a three-point loss to Iowa State. 24-21. Correct. And that's it. And so they'll have three top 25 wins, Baylor, Baylor, and Oklahoma. Right. And it's always about the final, the committee's final top 25. That's, what, that's what's significant. Where Cincinnati might have one. And the strength of schedule – will be separated by, you know, 40 spots. So there that would that would make me nervous because I don't think Cincinnati gets up to three Tuesday night. I think they still are at four. Right. And, you're you know, we've seen it happen, right? TCU is at four, and they blew out a team, and they still dropped. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. what, what the committee will do. But um, I hope they win and get in. I really do. I hope they win and get in. I do, too. I do, too. What, what would have – if Bama would have lost – what if Bama would have lost that Auburn game? 
If Bama would have lost and beaten Georgia, they still would have had an argument to get in as a two-loss SEC champ because you've just beaten this behemoth, right? And you lost a tight game in a rivalry game without your number one receiver for the second half. I mean, they could have made all those arguments. Right, right. Jamison Williams got eliminated with targeting, uh, ejected. So, so that takes that part away. But if you're Cincinnati, all you need is for Georgia to be Georgia. Right. Just be Georgia, and you win, and you're in. That's really, that's crazy. really what it comes down it's to. It's crazy. By the way, doing the Dr. Pepper thing again next Saturday. Gonna, was, okay, yeah. The Dr. Pepper scholarship giveaway for the ACC Pitt versus Wake Forest. Why does that make me so happy? Game. That makes me. It makes me. Well, I know why it makes me happy because I love you. But like, it's it the, just seems like something it's you. The will, highlight of my year. It is just. There are a lot of things you are great at, and it's like that seems like the most like perfect thing for you. Sign a lifetime do, deal of doing I, that. I do a lot of radio and, and a lot of radio and, and a decent amount of TV through the year. The thing that I get the most reaction to is ABC halftime Dr. Pepper scholarship. <laughs> That's it. And I'm on, I'm on TV for 15 seconds and then it's them doing whatever they do and then handing out the big uh, prices. Right. Because now. people enjoy it. Like people really, it's a smart thing from Dr. Pepper. And like, there aren't very many things outside of Ernie, Charles, Shaq, Kenny that'll make you really want to hang around for halftime for, you know, some sort of thing. That makes people want to hang around and watch the Dr. Pepper football throw. Like people want to watch that stuff, you know, and I want to watch Matt Schick. I'm all in on it. Well, uh, hope you do. And I hope, uh, hope it goes well on Saturday night. And um, again, the Husker season is over and guess what? So is this podcast. I'm not happy about that. Shick and Nick. Yeah. Shick and Nick. Yeah. Shick and Nick show. Yeah. Here we go. What in the world? Shit. Yeah. Yeah. What in the world? Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And oh, it's blocked. You gotta be kidding Iowa. me. A Huda Media Production.